Hi, this is Jenna. And this is Kelly. And you're listening to ODFM. This week's episode is One Denmark from Murder. going international. We're going to open ourselves up to a whole new audience. Yes, let's hope. It's so <laughs> So I was uh reading a little bit about Denmark and they have 50 murders per year and I was like that's kind of a lot, but then I think of which it really isn't. When I think of like that's probably Denver within 3 months, you know. So Right, yeah. How well, yeah. How big of a country are they? I mean, I have no idea. I think they're pretty small. Yeah. So it's, you know, it's just not part of their culture where it is ours, wow. unfortunately. That must be nice. Yeah. But that's so, why this is like the only murder story I found there. So. <laughs> this is it. We're going to talk about the murder the story murder. From, from Denmark. From Denmark. Oh. Yes. That's uh, so true. Okay. So this story about is about, and there's so many like, towns and stuff that I left the names out of because I was like, it's got weird accents on it. I don't even begin to know how to know. Yeah. So who knows if I'll get any of this right, but her name seems pretty normal. So I can get through her name. It's Kim Isabel Frederica Wall. That's not bad. No, I can, I can do hers. She was pretty fresh in her career and she was an established Swedish freelance journalist who traveled the world with her job, even though she was pretty brand new to it. I think she was only four years in at this time. Wow. She grew up in Trelberg, Sweden, which I would love to go visit Sweden. I so bad want to go there. Maybe someday. It does. Yeah, maybe someday. But she grew up there reporting for outlets, including even the New York Times. So she was doing really freaking well. She's doing pretty good for herself there. Yeah. She graduated from the London School of Economics and earned two master's degrees from Columbia University. So she's freaking smart. smart. (laughs) I like her. She embarked on a globetrotting career and reported from countries including Cuba, Sri Lanka, and Uganda. And in 2016, she was awarded the Hansel Meath Meath Prize, or Meath, maybe, Hansel Meath Prize for Best Digital Reporting for a Multimedia Report on Climate Change and Nuclear Weapons Testing in the Marshall Islands. Dang! She is accomplished already. She She is. She's not even 30. In August of 2017, she was just days away from moving to Beijing, China with her boyfriend. I know. So, yeah, Kim was 30 at this point. She'd been chasing an interview for an article she wanted to write about Peter Madsen for several months. Peter is a Danish inventor who is something of a celebrity in Denmark. And this was the final interview she was to complete before her move to China with her boyfriend, Ol. And when I heard, it looks like Ole, like if we were to pronounce it, it'd be like Ole. Yeah. (laughs) But that's not a nickname. It's no. That's his whole name, I think. Uh, Ol. Yeah. Ol. Kim was hoping to interview Peter because of his ambition to build a rocket to launch into space. And I got the impression from reading this that Peter Madsen is a bit like our Elon Musk. That sounds, yeah. Yeah. Very, very inventive and different. And yeah. So she's been chasing this. 
Yes. Yes. Interesting. So she'd been chasing him and chasing him down, but never heard back. Kim and her boyfriend were preparing to host a farewell party before their plan moved to Beijing. And this was August 16th of 2017. Before the party, though, like right before they're setting up, their friends are arriving. Kim gets a text. It's from Peter. Oh, come on. I know. Right before the (laughs) party. Your timing sucks, man. Your timing kind of sucks. But they're on this small island and he's his workshop is right really close to where they're at having their party. So he invites her to go have tea. And so she's like, hey, I'm going to go have tea with Peter. I'll be right back. This is my chance. So she tells Ol that she's going over there. Let's see. He invited her to interview him after she'd gotten that text to go do the tea and everything. She goes, does the tea, comes running back to Ol. She says, hey, this guy invited me to go on his little miniature submarine he has made. He has a miniature submarine? He is Elon Musk. He is. Yeah. So he invites her to... Interview like him. A euphemism of some kind. Right. <laughs> Want to take a little trip be. on my miniature My little submarine. submarine. Of love. <laughs> my, my love machine. The looms. Uh, so <laughs> let's see. He invites her to interview him on board his midget submarine called the UCS. <laughs> <laughs> No, now he probably doesn't want it to be a euphemism because nobody wants midget. <laughs> in, in the that. word. Yeah. No, subtext. No. It was called the UC3 Nautilus, and he built it with a group of volunteers that cost only about $200,000 to make. Oh, and that's only? US dollars only. But just being that, you know, pennies, they made a really. full submarine. <laughs> but apparently it's no small task. It's pretty small in comparison to typical subs. It had room for a crew of only eight. I mean, only. It's, little there's it's, a lot of onlys being thrown around right now and i feel like they're not there should be less right yeah okay so it could though be operated by just a single person so an entire submarine could be okay controlled by a single person from the control room all okay. controls and indicators were accessible from the captain's seat for controlling buoyancy pumps engines air pressure communication video and other electric systems It was part art project, part engineering feat, and the submarine weighed 40 tons, which apparently is very light. (laughs) I obviously don't know a lot about this because this sounds expensive and heavy to me. It does. (laughs) But it had been built by volunteers at minimal cost, which I guess 200,000 is the minimal cost, and mostly built from donated iron and other parts. (laughs) Donated iron? Okay. <laughs> I know. Wouldn't that kind of make you worry? Like, I'm going to go underneath high pressure right. oceans with this thing. It's cool. It's, uh, it's, it's, uh, it's fine. Leftover it's body parts from a car and some, <laughs> I don't know. Some old scrap metal. Right. Got it. Scrap metal. We're this good. is not what I want to be scrap metaling. <laughs> you know, it's not a tree house. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, shortly after the launch of the Nautilus, Peter had started another venture. So this is, I mean, he sounds so much like Elon Musk. Mm-hmm. He and a former NASA contractor named Christian von Bengsten co-founded a company called Copenhagen Subortables. Sor- suborbitals. Suborbitals. Orbitals, okay. yes. Their plan was to launch the first man built from scratch rocket, probably using scrap metal. I don't know. <laughs> Hey, are you done with that barbecue? Because I'm trying to make a rocket. <laughs> I just was wondering if you, Can I you know, just borrow that? Right, right, right. Uh, I know you're going to trade your car in for a new one, but could I just Can I just use have that? It? 
Yeah. Because I, 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 I'm building a rocket that's going to go into outer space. <laughs> and I just need some. <laughs> but from recycled parts. <laughs> I just need whatever you got. Peter and Christian financed Copenhagen. I almost, I don't know what I was trying. Copenhagen. That's what I was going to do. Copenhagen. <laughs> Suborbitals with crowdfunded donations. It was, Christian wrote in 2011, the ultimate DIY project, which. DIY. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> for outer space. It's just it does not. does not sound safe. Right. I mean, it just doesn't sound safe. I'm not but, comfortable like repairing my microwave. So I don't, right? I'm not. <laughs> well, they would really appreciate your scrap microwave <laughs> material. <laughs> so I just donated it to them. Yes. They need a cockpit. They need a a cockpit. (laughs) The projects made Peter kind of an anti-establishment celebrity in Denmark. Quote, you had a sense that he was doing something different. It was something bigger. It was something worth being part of, says Robert Fox, a filmmaker who made a 2009 documentary about Peter called My Private Submarine. (laughs) I don't know why that sounds so funny, but it really does, doesn't it? It really. It was almost like my private parts. My... Are you sure it's not a porno? <laughs> it oh really my God. sounds like it could it totally. <laughs> Come and touch my private submarine. <laughs> Ooh, a buyer grief. I've only had like two sips of my drink. I can't I was, speak. It's like, how much is in there? Uh, a biography of Peter was published a few years later. And Peter turned the fame into speaking engagements. So he's getting some money now. Okay. In 2016, another filmmaker released a documentary called Amateurs in Space. Another thing is doesn't make me comfortable. What <laughs> <laughs> any amateurs in space? <laughs> what was that one uh, guy who did the amateur strip night? Oh, <laughs> Night Rider oh, was one of his names. Oh, God, right. The cat Man? The cat? cat? Yeah, Man Cat Man. Like oh, right. God. oh, God. Amateurs in space. Amateurs they, in they space. They could bring the pole. It's it's very much like I keep picturing like Muppets in space. Like I feel like it's the same <laughs> it level. Does, it does. It does. <laughs> Amateurs in space. It totally sounds like that. Yeah. <laughs> so the film is about Peter and Christian and their efforts to build a rocket. But apparently, watching the film, you see the men's relationship fall apart oh. during the film. Yeah. In June of 2014, Peter opened a new workshop of his own called Rocket Madsen Space Lab in a hangar just across the paved lot from his collaborative company with Christian that Copenhagen Suborbitals. Suborbitals. Yeah, Suborbitals. So, yeah, just uh, across just across the road, basically, like, screw you, dude. Here's mine right here. We're going to (laughs) have. We're going to have dueling rockets. (laughs) Stop. Stop. (laughs) Oh, God. Yeah. So Kim heard about the rivaling Rocketeers, and she was eager to meet with Peter, being an envisionary, and and since he was likely to become a central figure in future space travel design and other inventions, like Elon Musk. Mm -hmm. On August 10th, it's a Thursday, Kim and Ole, they're setting up for a barbecue on a dock by the water. Kim gets the text on her phone. She's And, And when they're done, they were asked if they would donate it. (laughs) totally (laughs) since you're moving and you're not gonna need this barbecue anymore yeah could could you can i have this for my rocket (laughs) so she gets the the text she's thrilled to see it's peter bites her to have tea and a half hour later she comes back from the tea she's super excited tells ol that peter invited her for a ride on the submarine 
and she decided she couldn't pass up the shut up I see you laughing she couldn't <laughs> come have a ride on my submarine and your boyfriend wasn't like oh you're gonna go ride on some other man's I know. submarine, submarine I, and he's cool with it right <laughs> sounds like a gun <laughs> no right well and she decided she couldn't pass up the opportunity even to ride a up, submarine right a submarine <laughs> machine this might be her yes. only chance yes i mean so she gives up her own goodbye party but she even asked all if he wanted to come along and he was like well, really? then who's gonna run the party right. exactly <laughs> he's like i really want to go but all, my, all our friends are here and i should probably stay so right. hey guys enjoy yourselves yeah fun. <laughs> thanks for the party have fun <laughs> But Kim said, it'll only be a few hours. I'll be right back. You know, a few hours. They're not supposed to go under. They're just going to go take a ride along the shore. You can do that in a submarine? Yes. Like, you just have the top open, I guess. You'll have <laughs> like to a see. convertible? It's a convertible submarine? <laughs> what, what's What's that, happening? That portal thingy? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Oh, just before boarding the Nautilus, Kim sent Ola a photo of the sub. A little later, she sent a photo of windmills in the water because they're smart and they get their energy from all these windmills that are out in the water. And I saw the pictures of it and I was like, why aren't we doing that? I guess the windmills we, are actually in the they're water? They're in the water <gasps> because it's so windy. I know. So smart. I think okay. we're starting to do that in uh, the Gulf of Mexico. I hope so. But Interesting. Hmm. Anyway, she sends him a picture of that. Oh, and then another picture of herself at the steering wheel. So, you know, she's having fun and enjoying Learning about the sub. Wee! Look, I'm driving a submarine. <laughs> <laughs> well, look at me. Um, okay. Well, that sounds okay. Yeah, sounds fine right now. A while later, Ola was tending to a dockside fire because they're still having their barbecue. Right. <laughs> when a friend tells him, look up, and he sees the setting sun and Kim aboard the submarine in the distance waving at them. So that's cool. They're like, hey, look at me. What a submarine. <laughs> Uh, but early Look, the- there's one of our hosts over there. <laughs> over it's there. So weird. Say goodbye to Kim. Right. <laughs> early on in the evening, Ol received a text from Kim saying, I'm still alive, by the way, but I'm going down now. I love you. <laughs> I- <laughs> sorry. <laughs> Shut up. Oh, okay. Oh. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Okay. So I love you. He brought coffee and cookies, though. So I guess that's all it takes. Bring coffee and cookies and she'll go down. I mean, to be honest, I, you know, I mean, I, I can't argue with that logic, right? <laughs> so, so apparently they did decide to go under, you know, so he could show her. <laughs> oh, God, there's so many great okay. euphemisms I didn't even anticipate. <laughs> Kim was pretty new to journalism and she wouldn't have known much more about Peter than had already been established in the media. It was only sometime later that details about his secret life would come to light. Yeah. Yeah, there's always got to be a secret life. There does. So I thought this could be our first break oh, before God. we find out about his what life. happened when she went down. Oh. I think we all know, but <laughs> yeah, I think we have an idea. <laughs> I mean, mm-hmm. Oh lord. Although what she you said she was 30. I mean, uh-huh. they may, that may have worked on me, like, you know, when I was like in my 20s, but by 30, right. like I could buy my own coffee and totally. And totally. cookies and I probably, you know. But when you're a big time journalist and you're looking for that big story and this is your chance to get the big story, you might go down. <laughs> <laughs> the big story is down there. So you're going to have to. <laughs> you're going to have to go down. <laughs> you're going to have to go down. Oh, okay. uh, all right. 
This poor guy is getting texts from his girlfriend going, okay, I guess she's going down. I guess she's going down now, guys. I don't guys. even know if we're moving to Hong Kong yeah, anymore. I... Excuse you, Beijing. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Beijing. My bad. Getting everything. I was teasing. It's some, <laughs> it's some country we've never been to. That's all we know. It's one of many. Um, right. Yeah. All right, so back to the story. Peter was born in 1971, so he's kind of close to our oh, age. Okay. Yeah. Grew up in a small town south of Copenhagen. 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 I don't know how I became German all of a sudden, but I don't know. <laughs> I did. Copenhagen. His mother, Annie, was more than three decades younger than his father, Carl. What? Three decades, 30 years younger, more than 30 years younger than his dad. Yeah. So, like, was she 20 and he was, like... She must have been older than that because, let's see, Annie had three boys from two previous marriages. I know. So I don't know how old this guy is. Maybe he's, like, 80 at this point. Is this, like, was he, like, Hugh Hefner? Is, like, what is happening? No, like, was I mean, he like a... he's a pub owner. It's like, he, he was that well off. <laughs> right. It's He's just a pub I owner. Mean... Maybe she was hoping for something good. But the marriage ended up not lasting long. I... I... Ew, this is, I have questions. This I do too. Weird. 30 years seems like a really big gap. Yeah. Peter was six when the parents split up and Peter was their biological son. So Carl's only biological son. Okay. With Annie anyway. Annie moved out with her other sons while Peter stayed with his aging father. So his father must have been quite elderly by this time. I don't know. So that she left the six-year-old with an aging man? Yeah. But this is why Carl was a brutal man who beat his stepsons, though not Peter, his biological son. So she okay, was like, okay, but okay. There's a little more to it than just not getting beaten. <laughs> right. <laughs> exactly. A little bit more what to raising hell? a kid. <laughs> yeah. I, I, so we'll give him. I guess you get one. That. You want a star? <laughs> I guess he wanted a son. Here, you have this one. I'll take the others. Oh my Oof. God. This is so weird. I know. It was Carl who stoked his son's fascination with rockets, telling him, among other things, about a man who would become a hero to Peter. Werner von Braun. Is he a supervillain? Yeah, it sounds like <laughs> he is, kind of. Nazi aerospace engineer who later okay. came to the U.S. and helped develop the Apollo missions. So he, oh, okay. he was part evil, part genius. Carl died when Peter was 18, and for the next few years, Peter bounced around, starting several degrees and apprenticeships in welding, refrigeration, and engineering before dropping out of each. So he never oh, got a college geez. degree either. Isn't that kind of like Elon Musk never did, right? I don't I think he did. remember. Wow. That's what my kids tell me a million times, because they're like, oh, oh, look, you don't need to go to school. <sighs> anyway, as a teenager, Peter discovered the Danish Amateur Rocket Club. <laughs> <laughs> Damn it. That even never even occurred to me as anything oh, weird until God. I start okay. talking with you about yep. stuff. Yep. yep. Mm-hmm. It puts you in the right mindset. <laughs> I've for... got the amateur rockets. <laughs> you know, so far, anytime we have a story where the word amateur comes in, it never, <laughs> it it never, never ends well. I'm going to have to start switching out that word. Although this was, was the name of the group. It was a wedding so. dive. It was a dangerous amateur. Dangerous amateur. <laughs> Yeah. He sounds like a dangerous amateur. He, here does, too. he is a very uh, dangerous amateur. Yeah. So, part of this group, which the acronym for it is DARK, Danish Amateur Danish? Rocket Club, but they used a K. Oh, they're so cool. I know. 
He was, uh, they're so cool. He was eventually kicked out because he wanted to use fuels that others in the group felt weren't safe. And I mean, these guys are probably like into weird, trying new techniques, (laughs) weird fuels, (laughs) trying new techniques to come up with rockets. But even he was too extreme for them. And other members of the club became frightened or disillusioned by Peter saying things like, I don't get what this means. It must translate wrong. But saying his name would start the fire sprinkler system. (laughs) So like he he (laughs) was. So I was like, is that is this like Voldemort? Like, don't say his name because something bad will happen. Yes, we cannot say. So basically, it was like, what? What does that mean? Interesting (laughs) analogy. I know. Yeah. okay. Okay. Whatever, but maybe starting the sprinkler fire sprinkler system is a really scary thing. There, uh, <laughs> he spent it. Right. Okay, <laughs> lost in translation. He spent his twenties and thirties organizing his life around the building of submarines and rockets. He often slept at the workshop where he built things. Like he's obsessed, basically. Okay, that's not code for like homeless, right? Uh, <laughs> Possibly. It could be yeah, he was there. He a homeless you know, obsessive. He was really busy. Yeah, that's it. He was just really, really busy. Peter's obsession with submarines and rockets was all-consuming, but just not... stop. Hold ah! on. Well, wait for the next line. Oh, God. Okay. Submarines and rockets was all-consuming, but not to the exclusion of sex. There <laughs> you go. So we, we just added to it. I think... It's all tied together a bit. It might be. It might be for Peter. And his name is Peter. And his name is Peter. (sighs) It should be Peter Johnson, but it's not. (laughs) Okay. Okay. An old friend of Peter's said that Peter was a regular at sexual fetish parties. Oh, boy. I I didn't know it was a thing. I didn't know that was a... I guess I should have assumed it was a thing these days, but I didn't. He also frequented TravelGirls.com, a website (laughs) that advertises meeting, quote, thousands of adventurous girls who want to travel. I didn't know there was such a thing. And why didn't I get this on this when I was in my 20s? Probably because there wasn't internet. So so it's like a like it's to meet girls who want to travel with you like a like a dating sex thing but you're gonna travel so but you're for adventurous girls who like to travel and hike and to your sex pants? in the woods. Oh, yes. What does that mean? <laughs> I don't know. Where are you willing to travel? Yeah. Ooh, the travel could be Down big under. or small. Down under. <laughs> 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 <sighs> okay. So Deirdre King, who was Peter's close friend for more than a decade, said that Peter could be doting. She said, I broke both of my hands once and Peter came by every day for two months and brushed my hair. He wow. is a man. I know, which is dedication, yo. I don't know that my husband would do that. No, <laughs> I'd be like, um, I'm not sure if I'd want a to. giant knot. If yeah, you could just <laughs> just hold the brush and I'll just move my I'll head just- <laughs> <laughs> and hope that it takes care of it. <laughs> I know, right? Let alone come come over to my house and every day. I know. Whoa. She said he's a man who loves women. <laughs> yeah, a little yeah, a little scary. Code. It is. The filmmaker of the film, My Private Submarine, (laughs) (laughs) the famous film, said that women found Peter fascinating and that the Nautilus sometimes played a role in his seduction strategies. Like he would ask, I know, (laughs) like he would ask women aboard and then try to woo them while they're on board. With cookies and coffee. 
Can I interest you in some cookies and coffee? <laughs> in my private in my submarine. Private <laughs> submarine. Oof. So back at the farewell party, the celebration continued into oh, the night. Oh, that's right. They're still having There's a party, still a party without, her. without her. So it continued into the night and eventually moved to a nearby bar. You know, that happens. Everyone's like, we're oh, still having okay. fun. You guys are out of booze. We have to move on. Yep. It was well past the few hours that Kim had anticipated being gone and Ola was getting worried. Mm-hmm. The couple had a wedding to attend the next morning. Oh, shit. I know. It wasn't like Kim not to at least text updates. Like, I'm coming, you know, just a little late. Coming back up. We're still, (laughs) we're still down. (laughs) We're still down under. (laughs) So Ola went back to the pier to wait for Kim. But when she didn't show, he finally went back home to try to get some sleep because he's like, well, God, I've got this wedding in the morning. I'm just going to wait. But he was so worried he couldn't fall asleep. So he finally gave up, grabs his bike, and he rides around the entire island searching for her. Jeez. I'm not sure how big this island well, is. Wait, if she's in a submarine underwater, what good mm-hmm. is it to get on a bike? I, I, I don't know. I think he's just I don't like know why nervous I didn't see energy. Her. Yeah. I went I, everywhere. She's did underwater go, somewhere. Did she try underwater? Because... Ride your bike underwater because maybe you'll find her there. It's a big sight. Just nervous energy. I don't know. At 1.45 a.m., he called the police, and a half hour after that, he called the Navy. He's like, all right, somebody's got police are on land. The Navy. The Danish Navy. Or- oh, the Navy. You can call the Navy? Uh, like- <laughs> maybe over there. Ours is probably too busy, but. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, there's like, <laughs> you just Google it? Like, how do you call the Navy? You go, Hi, is this hey, the Navy? Siri. <laughs> help. Hey, Siri, call the Navy. <laughs> oh, she's exactly. trying. <laughs> don't don't call the navy no don't call it all right is there, <laughs> did like, a number come up <laughs> no she she was just doing that bubble thing and i'm like oh, oh yeah. shit she was don't, like, I don't don't do it i know how to i hey. don't understand right okay so just before <laughs> 4 a.m the police were notified of a possible accident by the local maritime rescue center soon after helicopters and ships began searching the waters around copenhagen <laughs> i did it again copenhagen I'm trying to be American, not German. At 10.30 a.m., the Nautilus was spotted near a lighthouse in, ooh, I don't know how to say this, but I'm going to say Koji Bay. Okay. I don't know. It's got the O with a slash through it. So whatever that That is. That means zero to me. I don't know. That's a zero. (laughs) That's what it is to me. Koji Bay. We'll say that's what it is. Near a desolate stretch of coastline, according to a local news report at 11 a.m., a man out on his boat helping with the search saw Peter in the submarine tower. So there's a little tower in the submarine. Okay. He saw Peter go down the hatch, then reemerge as the sub began to sink. What? Yeah. So he's he comes up, he sees people looking for him, goes down in the sub, comes running back up in the sub sinking, and he's out of the hatch. He okay. then jumps into the water and begins swimming to a nearby boat, where he's pulled out and taken to land. By now, newsrooms had learned about the search for the missing submarine. Upon Peter's rescue, reporters headed to the dock. So there's bunch of reporters. Peter steps ashore and a reporter calls out to him, hey, is everything OK? And Peter's like, he turns around and gives the reporter a thumbs up. He said, I'm fine. I'm fine. But I'm sad because the Nautilus sunk. And he's like, there, uh, there was a defect on the ballast tank. And that's all he says. Yep. Somebody was with me. Um, Something's missing here. Do you experience digital eye strain from too much blue light exposure from digital screens? 
Baxter blue glasses are not your average frames. These blue light lenses filter 80% of the highest energy blue light, eliminating 99% of glare. The past year, we have all been glued to our devices more than ever. Yeah, no joke. My phone keeps telling me that my screen time has skyrocketed within the last year. So, mm -hmm. yeah. Our exposure to digital light has soared, and our eyes and our sleep are suffering as a result. Baxter Blue is also a force for good and provides a pair of reading glasses for someone in need for every pair sold. This is eyewear built for our digital age, and Baxter Blue is giving our listeners 10% off your next purchase of blue light, sleep, or kids' glasses. Click the link in our show notes for your exclusive discount. This is the sign you've been waiting for to invest in blue light glasses. We know you will love your Baxters, and we know that you will feel the difference. Back at the dock. So we know that Peter gets off the rescue boat and he's like, hey, I'm okay. Yeah, Sad though. Submarine sank. Oh, bummer. <laughs> you know. Because <laughs> he's also like from like California. He's <laughs> like bummer, a beach dude. 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 My sub sank. <laughs> and so all though happened to be there at and the dock. And was like, the fuck, man? Yeah. And he's like, what the hell? He sees Peter gives the thumb up and he's like, okay, something's wrong. I'm bracing for the worst thinking maybe she drowned, whatever. Oh my God. Later that day, the police put out a statement saying that Peter told them that he had dropped Kim off at the tip of the island. And the police did, did not believe him. They clearly didn't believe him. So they arrested him and charged him with involuntary manslaughter, quote, for having killed in an unknown way and in an unknown place. Kim is a Frederica Wall of Sweden sometime after Thursday, 5 a.m., 5 p.m. But they didn't even find it. Like, they don't know that she's actually right. dead, but they. They apparently they have different laws, apparently, over there. They're like, yeah, you did something. She's dead somehow. We just know it. Isn't that crazy? They're just instant. Nope. Wow. OK, that's weird. All right. The next day, a Saturday, Peter appears in court at a closed door session. This time he had a different story. Did he? Yeah, he didn't drop Kim off on the island. She died in an accident on board the submarine. He claimed the hatch had fallen down on her head and he panicked, like knocked her out, killed her. The, the hatch, hatch, you know, like you go, uh, you open the hatch to get down yeah. into the sub. He said that hatch somehow slammed down on her head as she was climbing down it and Ow. killed her. Yeah. <laughs> Ow. And... He said he panicked and he had to drag her body out of the submarine by a rope and he, that he buried her at sea. I mean, this sub's pretty tiny. So getting her out the hole, he said he had to grab a rope tied around her body to pull her out. And then he, he sunk her at sea. What? On August 21st, a cyclist riding along on Amager Island, not far from where the submarine sank, came across a torso that had washed ashore. A torso. Whew, that's quite the find. I don't know. You know, you're out there with your metal detector and <laughs> <laughs> and then there's this, suddenly oh a torso. God. Oh my God, there's a torso. There's a torso. The next day, DNA analysis confirmed that the torso belonged to Kim. Ooh. A week later, a court approved the prosecutor's request to change the charge from involuntary manslaughter to manslaughter because an autopsy later revealed she had been stabbed 15 times in and around her vagina. Whoa! Yeah. I mean, dude, not okay. That is not necessary. No. Any <gasps> no. Oh my God. Okay. Then, one month later, divers found Kim's head 
clothing, and a knife all in plastic bags. Oh, my God. Waters not far from where her torso was found. Oh, my God. They also found both her legs tied to pieces of metal. Recycled? I know. I was just going to say, this scrap metal is not just for... Scrap metal. (laughs) Not just for making a boat. That's why he needs the extra. Yeah. (laughs) I'm having flashes of Dexter. Right. Right. Bags in the the bottom of the... Oh, my Mm -hmm. God. Okay. And then in November, police divers found Kim's arms in the bay. All little pieces of Kim all over. Despite these discoveries, Peter stuck to his story. Well, his second story that Kim had hit her head and died and he disposed of her body, but he denied killing her or dismembering her. Even after divers found a saw that might have been used to dismember her body. And even after police searched Peter's computer and discovered he had videos that showed women being strangled, decapitated and tortured. He still stuck oh, to his story. Damn. So just to be clear, his story was she died accidentally. Mm-hmm. He buried her at sea. Mm-hmm. Somebody else came across her mm-hmm. and dismembered her and put her in bags. Probably some wildlife, you know, those. Because they were like. Octopus out there. They're like crafty little things. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to make something with this. Look what I that found. That makes no fun. So I know. I admit that she died in front of me, but somebody right. else that I don't know. I don't know. know what happened after that. I just threw her body out. I don't know. That doesn't. I, dude, obviously, book smart, not street smart. I mean, come on, man. Like, come up with a better story. I don't know. I don't know how she got into bags. I, I don't mean, know. <laughs> I don't know how she got into pieces. I don't know how somebody stabbed her genital areas so many times. Something's wrong. Uh, a freelance writer named Mei Zhang, who had known Kim and was friends with her, wanted more information. I yeah. Lady. <laughs> so do I. So she traveled to Copenhagen to learn more about Peter from people who had helped him build his submarine. Because he had that whole crew of volunteers, like a huge That's group. Right. One such person who had volunteered at Peter's workshop said he'd been receiving calls from the police asking about a missing saw from the workshop. Hmm. Wonder where it went. Hmm. I don't know. Some volunteers talked about Peter as a generous spirit, the kind of guy who would invite a friend who was feeling down to take part in his little adventures as a means of cheering him up. Others said Peter could vacillate between rage and euphoria. Oh, my God. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, that's, yeah, that's like a red flag if I've ever heard one. One volunteer said he would behave like a child who just lost his toy or dropped his ice cream. And when his mood turned, most people would know what was going to happen. So they would get away from him before stuff started flying. Oh, shit. Like, yeah. And I remember even reading about them saying, like, it wasn't unusual for screwdrivers, knives, Every, anything that was within hammers to go flying across the room, all over the room, you just made sure you weren't in the and way. people volunteered anyway? <laughs> I think because they thought, you know, oh, this guy's kind of a celebrity there. We'll do anything to be in his orbit. Oh my God. One former flame of Peter's said she had either seen or talked to Peter nearly every day in the weeks leading up to Kim's death. One particular exchange was still bothering her. She said she and Peter had been sending cheeky, joking messages to each other. (laughs) Okay, sexting? Okay. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) You mean you were sexting, yeah. She'd been having trouble finishing an art project that was a video, and she'd asked Peter to motivate her with a threat. Like, oh, I'm having trouble. Could you scare me a little? The conversation (laughs) began. (laughs) 
<laughs> what? What? I don't know. Maybe it's something's different over there. I don't uh, Probably not. The conversation began as a casual sexual exchange, but quickly escalated. Quote, he says he has a murder plan ready in the submarine, and I tell him, I'm not afraid. You have to be more threatening than that. He talks about the tools he wants to use, and I say, oh, that's not threatening. But the scenario was he invites a friend to the submarine where they would suddenly change the mood and begin cutting her up. At the time, this flame of his didn't want give the exchange much thought, and it wasn't something she took seriously. Which I'm like, really? How does this motivate her to finish her project? Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm confused. There's <laughs> that. I know. And like, what? what? And why would you think that was cute or funny or normal in any way? Uh, this is all very weird. Yeah. But after a lull in the back and forth of their exchange, their text exchanges, she responded by sending him a video of horses <laughs> and the moment passed. <laughs> what? <laughs> I'm feeling uncomfortable. I think I'm going to send you a cat video. <laughs> what the hell? Right? I I... Ooh, it's bizarre. Okay. I don't know. Yeah, that's very bizarre. But the police now have the texts. She sent them on. So that's okay. good. Okay, good. Uh, <laughs> this is all this reporter finding all this stuff out. This friend of Kim's. On October 30th, the Copenhagen police reported that Peter had changed his account of the night in August yet again. He said Kim might have died from carbon monoxide poisoning. Hmm. He also says, well, yeah, I did dismember the body. You're right. I forgot about that. Okay. How, <laughs> if they're both in the submarine and how does only one die yeah. of carbon monoxide poisoning? And now maybe, maybe I did cut her up. I don't, I don't really yeah. remember. Yeah, I know. What, he gives what, a, a better account during trial of it, so... You know, you know, he had to think about it for a while and, and think of something that might work better for him. Oh, okay. It <laughs> might have been carbon. Okay. Maybe that blow to the head didn't kill her. Maybe something else did. Oh, yeah. Oh, I forgot I cut her up, too. My, Seriously. Oh, my okay. silly brain. So weird. On January 16th, the police re released a statement announcing that Peter was being indicted for homicide that, quote, took place with prior planning and preparation. He had to buy those cookies and he, yeah, coffee. the cookie I mean, and coffee. You that's know, he, that's predetermined. That's uh, you know, pre-planning. <laughs> they also charged him with sexual relations, other than intercourse, of a particularly dangerous nature, as well as dismemberment. So I'm guessing the the stabbing the was stabbing considered was considered. What did they call oh sexual relations with other than intercourse? Of a particularly dangerous nature, so that's illegal there, um, as well as dismemberment, of course. Yeah. <laughs> I, I guess I don't know, but that's a weird thing to charge him, right? Okay, it's whatever. very specific, very very specific. A week later, the full indictment provided more excruciating details. Oh dear God! Peter had brought on board a saw, knife, sharpened screw drivers, straps, zip ties, and pipes. Things <laughs> you need for a submarine. Yeah. All the things you need, like us all. Peter had bound, beaten, and stabbed Kim before killing her, possibly by choking or cutting her throat, the indictment said. Oh, my God. During his trial in March of 2018, Peter expanded upon his most recent version of what had happened on the Nautilus. 
He said the air pressure on board the submarine had suddenly plummeted while he was on the deck and Kim was in the engine room underneath water. The sub had filled with exhaust fumes and he had been unable to get back in. And he says, quote, when I finally manage to open the hatch, a warm cloud hits my face. I find her lifeless on the floor and I squat next to her and try to wake her up, slapping her cheeks. <laughs> okay. Yeah. This is all very weird. It's very weird. After trying for almost an hour to push her body out of the submarine, he said he had to mutilate her. Basically cutting her into pieces so he could pull her out of the sub. Gross, right? He's not the strongest guy. Maybe he's just saying, I'm little and weak, so I had to cut her up into pieces to that get her out of there. That is such crap. I mean, mm-hmm. she got in. I, just go back to the surface and get help. Or do, You're so full of crap. You are so Oh, oh. And he says the reason he didn't tell you about this is because it was out of respect for the victim's family. He didn't want them to know what he had had to do. Oh. <laughs> I know. What? What a dick. This guy is... <laughs> I'm so sorry I had to cut your girl into pieces. I just... It had to be done. I had to get I her out. I couldn't get her back out, so I had to... Yeah. It doesn't make any sense Frickin at psycho. all. During the trial, the prosecutor said it was unclear how Kim had died, but it was clearly intentional and with a sexual motive. Peter had already asked other women to join him on the sub that week, but no one else had come. Oh. Mm-hmm. I remember reading he had asked at least two other women, and they both were busy, so they couldn't go. Thank Wait, goodness. did they but, look out? Jeez. Mm-hmm. A scientist from the Danish Technological Institute told the court that Peter Madsen's argument that Kim had died of exhaust fumes was actually possible, but only if the temperature on board had risen very high. Which, I mean, if you're underwater, it's probably not that hot. So a police witness told the court there'd been no sign of exhaust fumes. I'm not sure where there was a witness, but maybe the boats and stuff that were going by. Oh, That were trying to. After the trial was done, Peter was given a life sentence. On October 20th of 2020, Peter escaped prison. (laughs) Wait, what? I know. He's like in prison and he's like, I'm I'm tired of being here. I think I'm going to get out of here. It was a jailbreak captured in sensational images on live TV. And like, I'll have to put a link to the video of it because there's a little video of it. Okay. There's a video of him escaping? Basically. Yeah. Here's how he did it. He used a mock gun and he wore a fake explosive belt and he threatened prison staff, made it about a half mile outside of the prison walls before being captured by armed officers. So basically, using whatever scrap metals he came across. I was going to say, where did he get shit in jail to do I this? Know. But People I mean, just that's like to donate crap to him, right? They? But he's really good at making things that look, you know. So he came yeah. up with. I thought that was pretty ingenious that he made a gun that looked so real and explosive, fake explosives that looked so real that they were actually like, Damn. yeah, I know. But footage of the capture also showed bystanders at the scene screaming profanities at Peter. So, like, he's out there and there's crowds out there yelling at him like, you oh my God. piece of shit. Peter said that he decided he had to escape because he found the conditions in prison were intolerable. And he had grown desperate after he was refused visits from his partner. I mean, gosh, oh, yeah, my life gosh. has been awful and I deserve to be out. Yeah. Like, I know I did this thing and I broke the law, but... Do you guys know how bad it is in there? Yeah. It's really sucky. It's really it's sucky. It's like really bad. My life has been um, so rough. 
And I just decided this isn't for me. So yeah, I decided um, I should be out. Yeah. I'll be very Alexis Rose. I don't like that journey for you. I don't, <laughs> I don't, I don't like, like that journey for you. I, I don't um, like that journey for myself. So I'm yeah. leaving. Life sentences in Denmark usually mean after about 12 years, you can get paroled. So it's not that bad. Why bother using the word life? <laughs> I know, like... right? Yeah. I'm like, what? I don't understand. But convicts are reassessed to determine whether they pose a danger to society if they're released and they can be Jeez. kept longer. And this was interesting. Peter was married during all of this to Wait, a woman. What? He was married during all of this. But then there was the girlfriend. Right. With the, and the. Mm-hmm. But he was married to a woman who somehow has always remained anonymous and she's in the film industry. But they've never released who she is. Nothing. What? I know. So bizarre. But she divorced him, of course, after all, after he went to prison. And he ends up marrying a Russian exile who's like this really odd artist lady, like really weird. What is happening right now? I know. She wrote him in prison and he has all these women followers. It's almost like the Ted Bundy thing. No, my God. All these women were in court, like trying to get his attention. It's really weird. I don't get it. Okay. On January 24th of 2020, a Danish documentary called Into the Deep. <laughs> They're oh, all such these strange. are terrible. <laughs> these are awful. But this one, it premiered at the Sundance Festival in Utah. So this was what, last year. Last, okay. Not this January, but the one before. Just before they stopped having anything. Right. Like that. Just before death we should probably like start a new we're not ad we're ap after pandemic yeah yeah right. so. pp post pandemic oh pp that's even better <laughs> let's go with pp right <laughs> we are post pandemic pp the 90 minute documentary was directed by australian born emma sullivan and chronicles peter madsen and a group of volunteers helping him with his projects shot as it happens before during and after the murder of kim Wall. Whoa. Yeah. It was like really acclaimed and people loved it. So the documentary was initially intended to be distributed on Netflix, but after a controversy arose where participants claimed they didn't give their consent to appear with their name and image, Netflix put it on hold. And Damn it, I was going to go check that out. Thanks a lot, I Netflix. Now, and as of the April before this one in 2020, Netflix announced they withdrew from the deal just too dangerous so we may never get to see the danish documentary shit into the deep it would have been super interesting to Mm -hmm. see all of that progressing through it and then like this murder happens and everyone's like what the hell i know so that is the story of poor kim wall and how freaky that he would all that work those volunteers put into putting that submarine together and then he sinks it to try to get away with murder (laughs) you know oh my god i can't I also, um, I just realized that you found a way to still do some kind of water. <laughs> I know. A, a transportation. transportation. We got the submarine and well another done. rocket in there. Thank there you. There you go. Thank all right. You. All right. We, we are covering all we had to the get transportation every, murders that we can. Yes. Yes. Um, we're going to have to get to a skateboard at some point, maybe. We'll, we'll go for the little ones next time. Yeah. Skateboard. Scooter. Scooter. Mm-hmm. Bicycle. There's so many There's gotta options. Kind of There's got to be bicycle. So many options. Jet ski. Yeah. <laughs> the jet ski murders. <laughs> no. Cruise ship. We haven't gotten that. <gasps> or did we? Hot air balloon. Hot air balloon. That's 
totally. Any, has anyone ever been murdered by being pushed out of a hot air balloon maliciously? I, let's find out. We'll have to research. It was interesting mm. reading about his rocket that he built. It was Just a one. Stop. <laughs> <laughs> it was a one man rocket. <laughs> it really was. So one person would go inside of it, and they. It was so small they had to stand the whole time. It was. You literally used to. <laughs> You should. I mean, okay. they kind of made a seat for him to lean into, but okay, they had to stand the whole time, and they'd have to wear G-force trousers, <clears throat> which would push the blood flow back back up oh through your God. body, and a rebreather like a diver. Oh my God! Yeah, and he actually launched it successfully twice off of a platform that the submarine pulled that was called okay. the Sputnik, and they launched it the first time, and it something blew apart and it broke. And then they did it a second time and it was successful, but the trajectory was wrong. So they had to shut it down and let it. So when you come back, you're heading back to earth head first. <laughs> I, I don't know. Would that be terrible. horrible? It'd be so oh scary. Just knock my ass out. Oh yeah. God. So they never quite, because the murder happened before he was able to rebuild it. So never was waste, able, he was hoping to be the first one to orbit space in a one-manned But man, I mean, ship. the red flags there, his obsession with rockets Whoa. and submarines yeah. and... And violence, like the shit they found. I guess they found hundreds and hundreds of violent videos on his laptop of women being mutilated. And oh, and right before uh, Kim got on his submarine, on his iPhone was a video of how to decapitate someone. There's videos on that? Apparently. Or he had just watched a decapitation video, something like that. Was he just like watching Saw? Like what, <laughs> what was he watching? Was it know. like a wiki how? Or, you <laughs> know, a wiki how. How to properly decapitate. Right. What the hell? So freaky. Oh my God. Mm -hmm. Would you like to hear my sources? I would. That's a crazy ass story. Okay. Uh, so Wikipedia, because that's, you know. Our biggest source always. Of course. Wiki mm -hmm. how. Wiki how, yes. How to decapitate. <laughs> BBC.com, TheGuardian.com, New York Times, NPR, Esquire, NBCNews.com. Esquire just made me laugh. TheWeek.co.uk, <laughs> TheCinemaholic.com, the and Wired Magazine. Don't know that I would trust going into something that some guy made in his garage with volunteers and donated metal like right. just, yeah you just know in general doesn't feel safe but but yeah. reading about that other journals journalist and what she had to say about it she's like women are always put in these positions where they've got to prove themselves even more than men to get the good stories yeah so you know she was focused on i need to get this mm-hmm this story, this story. And even though I'm a woman and it's probably more dangerous because I'm a woman I've got to put myself in that situation which is so unfair but and she was probably sitting there telling herself well if I was a guy I'd just I'd totally. just go right I was so gonna, that's I what I was gonna go. say any man wouldn't think twice about it right He'd be like yeah I want to do that so there's this unfair and I think I know her family started some organization that raises money for awareness for like journalists for how dangerous it is for women in situations Good, yeah. you know like going to Taliban area and all that kind of stuff which yeah unfair oh yeah seriously really interesting thank you everybody for putting up with us for thank another you. fun episode yes another transportation episode another, we found we a way to squeeze <laughs> in more transportation <laughs> we couldn't leave you hanging yeah 
check out our website so you can see what we have on spread sh- sp- 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 but what yeah that too spreadshirt Mm-hmm. Spread shirt. Mm-hmm. Spread shirt. Shirt. Um, spread shit. Spread shit.com. <laughs> just spread don't that shit that everywhere. S- don't go to that site. They're probably that's gotta that be a really bad site. That's probably has monkeys. Yeah. <laughs> god. Oh my god. And and please like and subscribe and tell your friends and share. And yeah, it really helps. It does. It really it helps us out. We're getting lot. more listeners, and that really makes a difference. We're trying to get get up there, so help I, us out. I, I want to watch on. Uh, I want to see on uh, Anchor if there's a spike in listeners Ooh, yes. from Denmark. Denmark. I, just, I know. I've I've been uh, researching where all the people are. are listening from and so i'm gonna put all those numbers out there for you guys so that you can see it but it's it's kind of fun to see who's winning yeah maybe we should say like okay if another country can beat us and listens we'll go there yeah 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 or if there's a country you want us to 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 find a story to tell just you know our email is odfmpodcast at gmail.com if give us ideas you know i mean there's so many transportation stories we can find on our own (laughs) i mean we haven't run out yet but no I think there's plenty more out there, but we'll find a way. We'll find a way. Bicycle? Ooh, yes. Dolphin? I mean, who doesn't ride a dolphin in their life? Dolphin! Ooh, elephant. Camel. Those are other... Horse. Riding a horse. We haven't done a horse story. Uh, done a horse story. Yeah, there's so many opportunities. No. All right. All right, guys. Take care. Thanks, everybody. Thank you. To Bye. see images from this story... Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at ODFM Podcast, or on our website at odfmpodcast.com, where you'll also find a link to our merch store, where you can get awesome stuff like t-shirts, mugs, stickers, and more. And if the weekly podcast just isn't enough to fill your ODFM cup full, join our fan club on Patreon for more content like minisodes, bloopers, and discounts at our merch store. That site is patreon.com slash ODFM podcast. And if you do love our bloopers and need more than we naturally do, which is a lot, buy us a glass of wine at buymeacoffee.com slash ODFM podcast. Thanks for listening to another episode of ODFM hosted by Kelly DeVries and Jenna Swanson. Production and editing by Kelly DeVries. Theme music by Eric Swanson. ODFM is a satirical true crime podcast for entertainment purposes only. The stories you hear are serious and true. The comments and opinions are not. We apologize if any of our content is harmful or disrespectful. 